Happy New Year! <laughs> Welcome to STEM Culture Podcast. Today, our podcast is called Grad Interactions. This is where we'll be discussing grad-to-grad antics. You'll inevitably be spending a lot of time with your cohort, your department, and your fellow graduate students. There's no real cookie-cutter grad student, and we all have different backgrounds and styles, and that kind of makes navigating interactions a minefield. But... Graduate school puts you with some of the most interesting people around, giving you the chance to form great friendships and find talented collaborations. Let us share our stories of how smoothly, or not so smoothly, we handled those grad interactions and what we learned along the way. This episode goes out to all those people eating lunch in the bathroom to avoid their lab mates. In this episode, you'll be hearing the voices of Will, Kaylee, and Brooke. So I'm going to give a little bit of background on how this episode kind of was created. Um, Danny and Kaylee kind of appointed me as lead on this, just saying that I brought people together and I gave them a look like, I don't know what you're talking about. And we just started kind of having a conversation on how I um, have the ability to bring different people from different groups into like the same working sphere easily. Um, They kind of come hang out in the lab and we talk about a lot of the topics that we talk about on this podcast. And so um, it really forced me to kind of uh, do some self-reflection on how it is I do this because I do this unconsciously without even thinking. And so, um, you know, self-reflection sometimes is a scary thing to like break down how you actually do things. Um, But it really had me reflect back on some of the um, first classes that I had in biological anthropology, where we really started talking about how humans interact and on what level um, they create relationships. Um, And if you think about it, like we are the most connected we've ever been on this worldwide scale uh, at any time, you know, in recent history. And we have social media to connect with. We can, um, between Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat, and, you know, we have these huge social networks. Um, But how many friends do we have that are in the flesh? And how, how do we nurture those friendships? And how do we make those connections? And how does that reflect back to graduate school? Um, I specifically remember talking about a paper by Robin Dunbar, who's an anthropologist that studied primates and how... Um, how these social interactions within primates reflect into the social interactions that we have as humans. And 
really looking at those interactions, you you know, they say you can only really have a social network where you can really create meaningful interactions between 150 and 250 individuals. And depending on your graduate program, that could be the size of your graduate program or maybe the um, STEM community that you are interacting with. But within that, you can really only have five people or around five people that you can make really close, close connections with. So the people that you lean on emotionally about certain topics. Um, so kind of bringing that all into my way of thinking about how I'm interacting with people in my program, I started kind of asking myself questions. How, how am I bringing these interactions out into a way where people are feeling comfortable with coming to me for certain topics that maybe they're having problems with or they just want to share with me? And um, so I think the first question that I wanted to address is just how we're making connections. So one of the first things that I want to say is that I love learning about people's stories and backgrounds. Um, It's, I wouldn't, I don't want to classify it as a hobby, but I just, I really love making those connections. I love learning about people Um, and kind of what, um, I know this sounds like a strange term, but like what their heart tug is, like what, what's their, what makes them tick? Um, and so I'm always asking questions about their background, how they got to this point, where, how they got to graduate school. There's so many different factors that bring somebody to graduate school, and their backgrounds are always unique and special. Um, I really enjoy learning about what type of science they're doing, what they're doing now, um, seeing the light and fire in somebody's eyes when they're excited about what they're doing and what they're working on, um, and really what they're trying to or wanting to accomplish in life. You know, uh, it might not be graduates, or it might not be academia or um, industry. Um, I think one of the reasons why I love having conversations with Kaylee is because she's doing something so unique and really making her own path in a lot of ways. And that's so fun to watch her develop as a person. I'm absolutely flattered. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what I'm hearing you say is that for you, when you find a person, you want to dive deep into who that person is. And like, that's your driving motivation for making a connection. And even more, you know, specifically in our program, you can ask those more fine-tuned questions of like, well, what are you doing here? How did you get here? What's your story? What science are you doing? What are you doing now? What do you want to do later? Exactly. <laughs> without that like, pace. Yes. <laughs> without yes. them and freaking them right on out. Yes. Because, you know. Yes. I can't just jump in with those questions, even though I really, really want to most of the time. But you have to kind of, you know, build a comfort level that people will want to answer those questions. I mean, one of the reasons uh, Danny and I wanted Brooke on here is because, you know, she's kind of mom of our of our program. Yeah. And she does bring that very, like, comforting sense where, like, if shit hits the fan, like, and you just need somebody to be like, it's okay, I'm going to fix it. Well, <laughs> you're going to probably fix it, but I'm going to help you. 
you know, that's Brooke. Like, she definitely has spun this personality, you know, in this persona that we all have glommed onto and, like, feel very safe around her. The word glom just... I, it's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah, right. And I, I think that uh, that just is a great starting place to talk about all the different kinds of personalities that you might run into and how that can be sort of a, a sometimes blessing and sometimes make it difficult. Um, so for me, uh, you know, I feel very much like Brooke does in that I just love people and talking to people and learning about them. Um, it's always my favorite part of pretty much any place that I go. Um, but grad school is especially good for me for that because I feel, um, I guess, like there are a lot of kindred spirits here I've mentioned before. Um, people who like to, you know, think about complicated stuff and, and don't mind getting into deep conversations, and there's lots of opportunity for that here. So I've definitely, I think, blossomed as a person coming to, to graduate school just because I feel like I'm surrounded by uh, kindred spirits. Um, but everybody's not like that. Um, you know, one of my closest friends who was sort of like my... Uh, I don't know, big brother or program dad or something like that when I first uh, got here. Um, if you're listening, I think you probably know who you are. Um, you know, he is, I don't think he is an extrovert in the way that I am, um, but he figured out a way to build a really close community for himself that I'm fortunate enough to have been included in. Um, and so that really got me through uh, the first couple years um, before I met these marvelous folks that I'm hanging out with now. Um, but, you know, his personality is very different. I mean, I think he likes people, but it doesn't energize him in the way that it does me. I think I'm hearing Brooke say also. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. How do you feel about that sort of basic side of things, Kaylee? Yeah, so I think it makes sense that the people who do a podcast obviously are energized by being around people and talking to people and having interactions with people through whatever forum they can get their hands on. And I mean, I don't think I'm any different. Uh, obviously, I'm rather extroverted. I shove myself at people and I'm like, here I am. <laughs> Let's be friends. And sometimes that works really well, and sometimes that doesn't. Um, but I found, like, that's that's kind of how I do it, is I'm like, okay, cool. Like, let's just be friends now. We'll figure out what we have in common later. But, like, we are have something in common. Like, we're either in the same program, or we're living in the same place, or we know the same people. I'm like, cool. Like, obviously, this is awesome. I like people. You're a people. Let's be people <laughs> together. You're a people. And I think that's kind of been because there's no like set way I do this it's just like plop me in your lap and figure it out I've had a very big variety of connections you know I have people who are like yeah you're a lot cool so let's just be professional friends I'm like yeah that's fine and so then we temper that relationship and we find that that's really what's comfortable for us I've had other people where we worked in the same um well, she's a cohort below me and we just like went out one night and by the end of the night I'm like oh my gosh where have you been my whole life um, and that was just a happenstance even though we were working together all the time I didn't even really know who she was until we just happened to have that opportunity to like really be part of each other's life for like an hour or two 
um, and there may or may not have been assisting environmental factors <laughs> in that relationship building exercise. But it worked out well. It worked out so well. Um, and so I think that's, for me, how I build my connections is that I don't have like an end goal other than like, I'm going to show you everything that I am and then let you kind of decide what parts of that make sense for you. And that's like set myself up for some really big wins and some really big losses. But mm. it definitely, I don't know, it fits the extrovert personality that I come in <laughs> swinging. So what you're probably hearing is that we've all learned uh, quite a bit about this in the course of graduate school. Uh, but I just really w quick wanted to, to point out and maybe hopefully get y'all's thoughts on something that, that you said, hinted at during um, what you were just saying, which is that one of the unique things about graduate school and, and one of the things that makes it different about other uh, types of school, undergrad or um, you know the business world or, or other professions is that there's not always really a clear distinction between personal and professional interactions. And so that can get people into hot water and sticky situations fairly frequently. Um, it, it is yeah. also a blessing and a curse because it means that we get to develop these great friendships with people that we also work with. Um, but yeah, what do you what do you all think about that? I think that's a really good point. Is that how do you, I guess, approach it? with strictly professional or strictly friendship or a marriage of the two, you know, how do you know where that line is or what's appropriate for each interaction? I, I don't really have any insight on that uh, for myself because um, I think building into a friendship takes time for me. It's not, you know, I, I love learning about people and I love interacting with people. But to build it to this place of um, friendship takes a little bit more time. And so maybe I just start as more of a professional approach in grad school before I jump to that friendship bond. Um, that's, that's just the way that I navigate that. Yeah, I think that's actually really good advice that you've intuited there because um, they're all different types of personalities. And unless you somehow are able to just like divine the personality and the you know ethical character of the person that you're talking to because there's this gray area that we all live in it's a great idea to take your time and engage um, to whatever level you feel comfortable but realize that there are less clear rules in grad school and academia than there are other places so yeah yeah Fair. Take that's your, a take really your good time, point you know yeah. all of that goes into Brooke's idea that she was talking about Robin Dunbar's talking about the five close friendships and relationships that you're going to build. And as we kind of hinted at in our first episode, grad life takes up a large amount of your time. And so the people you're spending all of your time with are likely to be grad students. And it is inevitable that the core five is going to at least in some regard be built up of people you are working with, other grad students or you know your mentors or what have you and so to discern professional and personal relationships as will was saying when it's hard to tell that difference in grad school and in academia that's probably a big reason why because our life becomes so much of this it's not a nine to five where we like leave the office and okay we have our work friends and we have our quote-unquote real life friends we need that mix 
but it's not possible to completely separate those two ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would even go further than that and say it's not a good idea to try and separate them. I, I, I guess I, I wasn't uh, suggesting that you should draw strict lines oh, no. between professional and personal. And, and actually, to specifically draw in some language from this uh, Dunbar paper that, that you were talking about, it's Hill and Dunbar, 2003, was a, what I was looking at, and we'll put that in the show notes, a link to that article. Um, they, they call them support clicks, mm-hmm. which are the five-person groups that, uh, that Brooke was talking about, and, it, and it's defined by them as individuals from whom one would seek advice, support, or help in times of severe emotional or financial distress. And I would just like to throw my hat in the ring and say that describes grad school from top to bottom. 100%. Not all the time, but... <laughs> severe emotional or financial distress I think is probably an experience that pretty much every grad student will tell you that they've had as a part of grad school and having people who are there with you in person who have gone through this or are going through it to talk to about that to give you advice to help you through it whether it be peers or mentors or whoever um, people that really understand are almost definitely going to become a part of your support click your primary five um and the sooner i think you're able to develop a little bit of that the better grad school will be for you yeah agreed so i think another part of this that would be remiss to not even mention is how do you you know what are the actual steps that are taken to find friends because you might have one or two but like how do you really grow that network of people and you know the more professional side, the more personal side, that mix, you know, how do you build that network? So, I don't know, Brooke, do you want to, like, explain your perspective on that? Well, I I mean, I think that it's, one, a natural process. You can't really force friendship. Um, But the more you put an effort into getting to know your cohort, the more you'll be able to kind of filter out who is that good fit for you. Um, like I, I'm not it sounds almost like a dating um, scenario but that's absolutely not uh, not it but it, I think that um, one of the onus on uh, on well okay so one of the approaches that I take is that when I meet people along the way and I find people that I think are good fits for each other. I like to play kind of a friend matchmaker. Um, so I, I like to find people who I think would really complement each other or work well together or maybe are working on the same topics in grad school or with their science and kind of, I guess, facilitate networking between the two. Like it, it's not really serving me except for the fact that I get to watch two people that I highly respect now create beautiful friendship together, collaborations together, um, science together. And I think that's a really important part of our professional aspect in grad school because um, when we have one grad students who are interacting um, together in a very... um, 
positive way, it, it can only mean that you're going to be creating wonderful things. If you're not that person, so if you're not the, the, the matchmaker, so to speak, there might be somebody like that in your grad program, whether it's in your lab or your department or in the sciences more in general. And it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with keeping an eye out for somebody like that who can maybe connect you with people Absolutely. that have overlapping interests. If you don't have something like that, but you're more of an introvert, um, what are some things do you guys think that people who are in a situation like that might do? Get involved. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I know that's really hard from an introvert's perspective to to get involved, but there, if there's a um, seminar session, you can start attending and having these conversations, um, meeting the people who are in your cohort. I think that's really, really important. You're not going to like everyone, and not everyone's going to like you, but it's worth it to try to find. Um, an interaction that will be supportive in some manner. Yeah, so one, one thing that usually exists in, uh, in grad programs, in departments, in labs, are some kind of structured events um, that can be anywhere from very formal to very informal. Um, and those might be good opportunities because they're in neutral locations, they're especially for the informal events, maybe they're not really time intensive. So if you find being around people to be exhausting or difficult, you know, you can go for just an hour, whatever, uh, you know, whatever you're comfortable with. But uh, participating in like a very common thing that I've heard about is you know, the lab goes out for beers at, uh, you know, at five on Fridays or, you know, one of the people in your program has a game night every week. These are all great things, and, you know, I think grad students tending towards being sort of thinking people will probably understand if you don't want to participate in a very full way, but you just want to sort of show up, hang out for a little bit, and then go on your way. I think most places that should be fine. Right, and going on that, if you don't have the energy, and, you know, even though I'm a raging extrovert, there are times I don't want to talk to people and I don't want to be around people, but I still crave interaction, which is a really weird dichotomy. Like, I don't actually physically want to go out of my house. I don't want to even put on pants, but I still want to talk to people. <laughs> There's a lot of really great online resources to help you build a network of people that you can rely on, which I wouldn't recommend doing exclusively, but are really good for times when you just want to have other input from other people or you don't want to have to get out of your house um, and so like one of those that I really recommend is Grad Slack I was just at a conference this last week and met up with a fourth year grad student from Georgetown and she and I met up at this conference and it was amazing because I didn't know how well we would get along until we actually sat down and got dinner together and ended up being like a really great connection that I now will have for as long as I foster that relationship. And so even though, you know, she's not in my department, she doesn't really understand the day-to-days, she's just as valuable to me as somebody who is in my department. And that just happened because I was perusing through, you know, grad slack online because I didn't feel like leaving my house one day. I don't know, do you guys have any other forums like that? Twitter. 
<laughs> no, I mean science Twitter is. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. can follow us on Twitter at STEM Culture. Shameless plug. <laughs> um, another whole category of interactions um, are professional interactions, and I just wanted to make sure that we we got to talk about that a little bit because. Um, in addition to being personally, emotionally important for anyone who's going through grad school, um, this is also where you're really going to start to to build your professional relationships too, whether those are people in your department or they're people you meet at a conference. Um, the social aspect is important for building a successful scientific career. Uh, whether that be in academics or industry or SCICOM. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you asked about forums. I mentioned conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of connections have you guys made at conferences? I mean, there was the grad slack oh, yeah. um, option. For me, so my mentor is not very hands-on uh, at conferences. He was great my first year when I was just a fledgling grad student. Um, and then he was really great at introducing me to people. And so I have a very small cohort of PIs, like, you know, very well along in their career, but I don't really know a lot of other grad students. And I haven't found that in my cancer field specifically, that it's common for people, for like PIs to bring their grad students along with them, kind of shadow at your elbow. And then they'll be like, okay, meet this important person, but also you grad students, you talk. So it takes a lot of effort on my end to like find other people at my level at conferences. So helpful to go to conferences to meet like the big wigs, not as helpful to find people who are maybe like in that middle to lower end of their career. So I'm just a little baby grad student and I have not been to a conference that is really related to my field. So I don't really have my my interactions are the interactions that I have in my cohort here at our university. Well, that's that's okay. I've only been to one conference, but actually, <laughs> was it that I'm the one who's gone to the most conferences? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so part of it might be, uh, and it's worth mentioning uh, that different people's fields have different cultures. Yeah, yeah, different. Yeah. So I mean, the the that's right. Subcultures among different fields is is really a, a powerful force sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know the stuff that I study is a little more esoteric you might say um, and so there aren't as many opportunities probably than for biomedical stuff yeah. I mean I think some people are interested in cancer research just a few yeah yeah um, so there are there are different levels of conferences right so the conference that I went to was an international conference woo woo but there are also local and regional conferences um, that you might be able to find that could get you started on some of these uh, professional relationships. And since I brought this up, I just have one last point to, to get in, and that's that um, have you read a publication that you're interested in? You can cold call other scientists. Um, really? Yes, Ooh. right. I mean, it's it's not I something... I have done this. <laughs> yeah, maybe not on the phone, because who no, uses phones? But, but reaching out through email, um, and it was of course, a, a very positive experience because when they email back and address you in a manner that's very professional and um, respectful of the questions that you're asking, it's empowering. Yes. And uh, so you mentioned getting in touch with people who are at your level. Um, 
every time, more often than not, that I've emailed uh, a PI, what they've done is said, oh, that's a great question. Here's the contact information of this grad student in my lab or postdoc, exactly, that's working on the project that's related to that. You should give them uh, an email and they can probably help you. So this is a great way to uh, meet people at all levels. We have been talking about professional relationships and personal relationships and how we navigate and create those relationships. Let me say relationships one more time. (laughs) Um, What happens, though, when you encounter somebody you maybe don't click with, maybe you have active conflict with, uh, and what to do when it is either professional or a personal or a both relationship? I think that you're not going to make it through grad school without having some sort of a conflict in some manner. I mean, that's just a nature of being very close, in close proximity with others. We don't all like everybody in our, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody's going to have the people they like, the people they don't like. But I really do think, you know, being kind to somebody, even when you are not fond of them. uh, You know, my mom always taught me, treat others as you would you know, want yourself to be treated. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the exact terminology of that's how to say it. Well, I get <laughs> yeah. You. yeah, but I truly try to live that way. I want to treat others how I would like to be treated, even if I'm not fond of them. Um, you know, science can be really cutthroat, and uh, that is a choice that we all make day to day in the way that we interact with each other. And I think you can. Uh, be kind to people and at a minimum civil and professional to people but not not let them hurt you mm-hmm. yes um, and so that baseline of civility and professionality I think is a good place to go back to and drawing boundaries um, in relationships is just a good idea in general but when you come to a situation like that uh, and you got to make it work um, having things like Uh, sort of a set of rules that you establish for yourself and maybe communicate with them either implicitly or explicitly sometimes. Um, Things like schedules. I know, uh, Brooke, you guys have a bunch of people working in y'all's lab Mm -hmm. doing all kinds of different things, and some of it's kind of messy. So It can be, yeah. Y'all have, I know y'all have a schedule. Yeah, so, um, you know, Especially, uh, I think there's seven of us in in the lab, and so when you're working in these one tight quarters, um, people are all needing to use the same machinery, the same you know lab space. There is definitely a um, well. This approach didn't work, so let's try it in a different manner. Um, I think trying. I think when you approach it as Let's find something that works. The Like, it's not going to serve everyone, but try to find something that's a compromise for everyone. Sometimes it's the approach that you take. Um, being more abrasive and, you know, saying something in a way that could be taken offensively is not essentially going to win for the whole lab, right? And so when you're living in that cl- close quarters you really want to find a solution that empowers everyone too because you don't want to be putting somebody down 
um, because they're interfering in some way what you're doing. You want them to be empowered as well because the more empowered everybody is that you're working with, the better science that's going to happen. The, the science that's coming out of your lab is a reflection on who's in your lab as well. So that's just, those are my inner thoughts. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the important undertones of that is that you have to be proactive about it. It's not going to work itself right, out. Right, yeah. And, and being a new grad student, I didn't really have experience in really needing to draw boundaries around relationships that were not so good for me uh, and being really proactive about, you know, what do I need to accomplish in interacting with this person if you have to actually actively work with them? Or how can I get what I need to do done um, and still also be healthy and, you know, because, you know, if, if, if you just, if you have to interact with someone for an hour once a week, that's one thing. But if you've got to be around them six hours a day, mm -hmm. seven days a week, you've got to come up with some kind of plan yeah. and be proactive about that. Yeah, you know, it's it's communication, and that's nothing new, I'm sure, to people who are listening to this or anybody in this booth, is that communication is key, right? It's talking about, hey, I either think we have a misunderstanding and we need to address this right away, or I anticipate a conflict happening, can we plan for something that I think is going to be problematic? I don't think, you know, any civil human would respond negatively, like, no, I don't want to create a plan to make our lives easier. Like, that would just be insane. Um and so, I mean, there's something to be said about communicating with the people in your space and being exactly, as Will said, proactive about it. Yeah. So what happens then if uh, uh, Brooke's up in here taking glamour shots of us while we're trying to record a podcast? <laughs> Thanks, Brooke. Sorry. Uh, it's, I guess you are our, our uh, leader for this uh, endeavor. So Conflict. what happens? Yeah. What happens when... Despite your best efforts, uh, somebody refuses to compromise, refuses to act professionally or civilly, um, and uh, and your success and your emotional health are being compromised by uh, a fellow grad student, whether it be a lab mate or a classmate or just somebody on campus with you. What can you do then? Challenge them to a duel. <laughs> Pistols at midnight. My pet wars. Oh, that's more like it. I mean, yes. but in all honesty, that's why your mentor is there, right? They are in charge of the lab for a reason. Yeah, they, mm -hmm. they, yeah. You know, if it's somebody you work with, that's somebody you have to go to. And yeah. if, you know, it's cross labs, then you can either talk to your and their mentors and ask for support there. Or, you know, the program director, if you want to bring it there, like, uh, Zach and Danny will be talking about navigating the bureaucracy, and there's very a ton of layers to this that this that nobody's going to be able to fully get through in you know a 45 minute episode. But it's that idea of you have to find the people who will help you and push on it. Yeah, get mm -hmm. get help with the problem. If yeah. you tried and you just can't get any traction with it, uh, there are lots of people out there. Uh, you know, it's not a bad idea, especially if you've got a good relationship with your advisor, with your mentor. Uh, or with other mentors that are in the department um, to go and talk to people about it. Don't suffer alone um, and try to, yeah, try yeah. to... I'd like to add to that, too. Um, I, somebody that I work with, they actually went to the counseling department and were getting 
um, just kind of some feedback on how they should navigate some things because they were struggling with some things within our department. And um, that was a great resource for that person as well. So that's another avenue that you can you can maybe go and just talk things sometimes you just need to talk it through it's not that you need somebody to give you a solution you just need to like let it out in a safe environment yeah and I think most universities have some kind of counseling center um, if they don't they um, should be able to refer you to one right yeah um, there's also this thing called an ombudsman which if you haven't you heard of that uh, O-M-B U-D-S M-A-M? Yes. Dang. <laughs> I just want to know because I didn't know how it was spelled, and so when I was Googling things, I didn't know what I was looking for. Yeah, thank you, Ms. So for the, for the people who are listening to our podcast and don't know what it is, can't say the word, but I can spell it. Yeah, it's okay. Just just Google it, take a stab at it, and if you get it wrong, Google will give you the sassy italics, did you mean? <laughs> Which is basically what I just did to Will right now. By the way, that joke belongs to somebody else. Sassy Google. Um, I think it's Russell Brand. It's okay. It's yours now. <laughs> um, but the ombudsman. Um, um, whatever. Um, um something men. Ombuds, yeah. Ombudsman. Yeah, go ombudsman. find or out. Find your university's ombudsman uh, and 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 contact them if you're having a problem. Yeah, that's exactly what they're there for. Mm-hmm. But I would like to put out the disclaimer that the correct people to talk to are not necessarily other grad students, and this is the one time I might advise you to not talk to a grad student when you're having issues with another grad student. I mean, obviously talk to the person you're trying to fix things with, but it is a very slippery slope to talk to people in your department. And as well-meaning as, you know, you are about just trying to find someone to vent to and as close as you think that person is to you and however strong that relationship is, it might not always be the best idea and you know there's exceptions it could create more conflict in the end right and so you know i urge you to be aware of the people you are are speaking to um whenever you're having conflict because it does not need to be a bigger thing and you don't want to be the person contributing to a bigger conflict that's exactly what we've been saying you know if you are the person who keeps a level head people will notice that and your reputation will not be tarnished because you were trying to do the right thing and navigate this conflict whether or not it was your fault you're still trying to handle it in the best way you can and you know talking to other grad students can make things muddy (laughs) yeah um of course guys uh if things get really bad and you know sometimes grad school and a department can feel like a closed system it's still a part of the rest of society and the rules apply Um, So, you know, don't be afraid, uh, you know, of making a stink. If somebody does something that is really not okay and you need to call the police or the Title IX office at your university, do it. All this hopefully should help. I don't, I I feel like really like, oh God, we're ending it on like, call the police. Like, (laughs) but like maybe it'll be fine. It'll all be fine. Yeah, obviously don't like, uh, you know. (laughs) <laughs> don't uh, don't uh, need your call the police. They'll get. I feel like we need a better ending for this moment because I'm like panicking. I... Um, let's see. We can do some cutting and things. Funny story. Like, how do we fix this? How do we fix this transition? 
Yeah. Exceptional I mean, stories. Speaking of exceptions to the rules of yeah. academia, he, we did just recommend a pipette war. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you'll have to start doing that. <laughs> yeah, so sometimes bad stuff happens, but there's a lot of good stuff in grad school. I think we all uh, have some great stories that we can share. So uh, we want to end on a better note than call the police. <laughs> Let's say call the police like 16 more times. Okay. Instead of that, um, we'd like to share some of the better experiences that we've had in grad school. <laughs> Everyone's looking at me. Brooke, okay. tug on our heartstrings. <laughs> so I, um, I do have kind of an exceptional story. Um, as far as a uh, friendship for me that has been kind of a lifeline in graduate school, um, my first year of grad school was pretty chaotic um, and pretty um, dramatic in a lot of ways in a way that I think uh, we will touch on in later episodes. But I had a lot of turmoil going on. I was involved in a situation that lasted a good year, my first year of graduate school. So it added a lot of stress. And I had Danny, who has been an ex- exceptional and extraordinary friend because through this time, she is somebody who championed for me in a way that I I don't know I could ever repay her for. Um, she really went to bat for not only myself, but kind of this little group that we really needed a champion during this time. Um, and she, you know, took on administration in a way that really made some powerful changes. And so that, if I had not had that connection, I'm really not sure that I would have stayed in graduate school. If I had not had that person, I could, you know, talking about our five close people, that I could confide in one um, and, and share with her that I was scared and um, worried about my future and not feeling like, you know, um, I could continue on in a lot of ways. And she, she listened to me and she took on a fight that she didn't have to take on. So having a connection like that changed my trajectory in school and is the reason that I'm sitting here with you guys today. So, you know, those connections can be powerful. Um, so, shout out to Danny. Hopefully all the tears when she hears this later. <laughs> um, I will make her cry. <laughs> In a good way. Yeah, we absolutely love her, Danny for what she has done for people. Um, my story, my uplifting, happy story is not so much of a friend who fought for me, but a friend who was, I don't know, my back, my, my support, um, in a different way, um, really in a little bit more, you know, the day-to-day when I was having a hard day or whatever, um, she knew exactly what to do, and, you know, our friendship started from such happenstance. Um, I had actually had a friend from my hometown coming and visiting me, and because I wanted to convince that friend that I actually had friends in my new hometown, um, I invited everybody I knew to come hang out. 
And our night ended with us walking down the middle of a street at like an ungodly early hour, like 3 a.m. or something ridiculous, um, telling each other weirdly personal details about our lives and realizing that we felt so safe around each other and that, you know, we could continue to have these conversations in any time or any space. Um, and, you know, it has, our, rela- our relationship has really just blossomed into I go over and hang out with her cat when she's not home because <laughs> <laughs> that makes me feel good because, you know, he's like our cat. <laughs> and, you know, just literally she's the person I call up on any night of the week for support when I'm lonely or when I want to just like dance around and be ridiculous or binge watch an episode or do anything. And so she's really been somebody I can lean on through the thick, through the thin and for all the cat Snapchat videos I could ever want. (laughs) (laughs) Little cats. Oh, um, (laughs) Yeah. Staring at you, I mean, well. I, I, I think for me, there's, uh, I've expressed this before that you know I've found more uh, understanding and feeling of, um, you know, beyond that even kinship. I think with uh, a number of the people that I've met in grad school, but I always just go back to, you know, uh, one of my really close friends that I mentioned before in this episode, who, you know, really. Uh, got me through my first year. You've probably figured out that uh, the first year of grad school can be tough. You're in a new place. You don't know a lot of people. And sometimes those first few months can be really lonesome. And, uh, um, you know, I wasn't feeling a lot of genuine personal connection uh, with my lab mates. It was sort of awkward and uh, and and strange. Um, and it just so happened that across the hall... There was this funny, uh, you know, super smart uh, dude who liked to have philosophical conversations like I do and like video games. And so he really became my, you know, uh, my my back, you know. Your lobster. Right, yeah. I mean, (laughs) the person that, that I could talk to when I was having a hard time day to day. Who understood? They, you know, knew the people who who I was dealing with and knew what it was like to be a grad student. And, um, you know, I ended up, you know, I guess thinking of him as like a, a family member. Um, you know, and in those late nights in the first semester when you sort of you can't sleep because, you know, you've been working eighty-hour weeks for a month. Um, you know, having a person like him there probably, you know saved my grad school career too um so uh if you're listening thank you you'll never know how much that meant to me um and uh yeah we wish you guys all your lobsters yeah Yeah. go find your lobsters i don't even know what's that from friends friends (laughs) thank you ross and rachel (laughs) (laughs) go find your lobster go find your person hashtag grays and hands yeah, you don't have to do it alone. You are not alone. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you have amazing grad interactions. Next time, Danny and Zach will be talking about navigating the bureaucracy. 
will the, they will be discussing bureaucracy from the standpoint of a graduate student trying to affect change in their department and how we can make the university work for us. We also want to wish all of our listeners a happy new year and um, kind of ask all of you, do you make New Year's resolutions? Uh, are there other traditions that you celebrate? We'd love to know on Twitter um, if what your resolutions are or if you do them. I, for one, do not make New Year's resolutions. Um, I put so much pressure on myself for so many reasons that I've just decided that uh, New Year's resolutions are not a good fit for me. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. It's okay. It works. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you about mine. Okay. What do you do? So I am going to commit myself to doing SciComm, even though I'm kind of doing that right now, but doing this podcast and all the other <laughs> things. But I really want to commit to like going to conferences and being an active member for like a full year, like very much making this part of my life. I would like to refocus and recenter on my research. I will be getting an RA in the spring for five semesters. And so I really want to re-dedicate myself to the thing that brought me down here in the first place. I can't leave until I finish it. So I really want to find, refind my passion for what brought me down here. Um, and then I would also like to spend actual dedicated effort uh, into self-care, specifically going to the gym and drinking water and separating myself from work because that has been something that worked for me in the past and I have not focused on. And so I would like to renew that focus. Yes. Arr. My New Year's resolution is Make to, that noise more often. to purr more. Um, uh, in all seriousness, seriousness though, uh, I am resolving myself to getting my first publication out. Yay. I'm really excited about that. I think that's achievable because I finally actually have data. Uh, so that's step one. And I've even started writing. So I think that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's going to happen. Awesome. And I'd also like to submit at least one major grant application. <gasps> Woohoo! Um, so I can actually be a grown-up scientist, like some of my colleagues here. Um, and uh, in more uh, personal uh, settings, uh, I would like to, uh, as Kaylee mentioned, uh, do a better job of self-care. So, you know, I do pretty well with uh, getting sleep, but I've been working with... Uh, uh, intermittent fasting, which is very fashionable right now, but it seems to work with me, so I, I, I would like to stick with that. Um, and also just uh, doing a better job of proactively expressing my appreciation for the important people in my life. So um, yeah. Uh, and as Brooke mentioned earlier, we would love to hear about your New, New Year's resolutions. Um, you can uh, tweet us uh, at STEM Culture, one word, or, or email us at stemculturepodcast at gmail.com. Um, and if you like what we're doing, please rate us on iTunes to help more people who are interested in improving STEM culture find us. If you'd like to support us, you can find our Patreon on our website, which is www.stemculturepodcast.com. You'll also find show notes. Uh, stimulating reference articles <laughs> and links to our YouTube channel for transcribed shows on our website. Until next time, don't forget to consensually hug a grad student or at least buy them a coffee. Woo! Yeah. <laughs>
Yes.